Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. Tell you, man, you leading the league in hydration. I got a dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower here, and we're going to have a nice series over the next month. We'll have some other topics, some other information, but we're going to talk about tough to rank, tough to value players in the space at each skill position. We're going to talk about quarterback this week. Of course, later on, we're going to talk about the UTH best ball contest. We'll mix in maybe some dynasty action planning and our final thoughts to close the show. I do want to remind you, we've got, I'm on pace for over 300 premium shows over there at UTHDynasty.com. It's got a great app connection. So whatever podcasting app you use, you can get all the UTH premium shows on your devices. Things like UTH Film Notes, uh, which is usually about an hour or so, closing out Sunday's action. You're going to get all of my notes from watching every play of every game. You're going to get things like Running Back Roundup, go through every depth chart on a weekly basis, plus a bunch of other stuff on a weekly basis, rankings, trade calculator, all of that to try. Can't recommend it enough. I'm part of the machinery, so a little biased there. Katie, I, I think this is a this is going to be a great series because we're going to try to help each other out. We're going to try to talk through and kind of be a sounding board for the other person. And I know you don't do rankings, but you know what? You got a really great sense of the market being a active and plugged in dynasty owner. You're also doing a podcast. You do a bunch of guest appearances. So you are as plugged in as anyone that actually doesn't do formal rankings. But that doesn't mean you don't have difficult to value where do we stand with this player within the scope of the position. So I was actually going to give you the honors. Who would you like to nominate as a tough to value, tough to rank player? And then we'll, we'll kind of bender about after you create your presentation on why they are tough to value. Sure. Thank you. Uh, so to begin with, with quarterback, the position, you've got the Rodney Dangerfields that nobody respects, and you've got the overvalued guys that are overachieving because they put up fantasy points, but they could be fugazis and you're not 100% sure. And then you've got the older guys that don't get much respect because they everybody thinks they're just like one year away, so you don't want to pay, even though they're very productive. Nobody wants to pay up for them. So sometimes players are hard to value. The first one that I would like to nominate as a hard-to-value quarterback, and this would pertain to Superflex mostly, is Deshaun Watson. There's rumors that he's going to be traded before the trade deadline, which is coming up next week. And if that happens, the question is, will he play this year? And if he plays this year, will he be effective? And then what happens about his future? You got all these court cases, everything going on. I actually think he's a buy still, even now, even when people think that maybe he will be activated. I think that even if he gets traded, there's still a two to three week window before he could play for that team. He's been active. He's been working out. He's a young guy. He's in great shape. It's learning the playbook. 
You still need reps. Could, you need reps right, too. Actually playing quarterback and, under center, getting the reps in practice for a while. Yeah. Exactly. Not only getting the reps with your center, but getting the reps with your wide receivers, your tight ends, your running backs, the whole offense, getting the language. Every team has slightly different language and what he's used to in Houston could be very different language wise than any other team. Who knows who he would end up Miami. Maybe that's been thrown around Carolina. Maybe, I don't know. There's a bunch of different questions. So he's very hard to value. So many people are skittish about his court cases. Right now, they're civil. Yes, there have been 10 women that have filed potentially criminal, but that hasn't come to fruition yet. I personally am not worried about his court cases at all. So I'm a buyer, but I don't know about you, Chad. Like right now, I think even now is still a good opportunity to buy relatively low for a young quarterback. But I still find it hard to value. Like, what is buying low? What do you buy him for? You have risk. There's a lot of risk with him. But even if he gets suspended, how long will that be? And yeah. when? And well, when? And this is really one of the biggest ambiguous situations because we're not dealing with a lower end player. We are dealing with a guy that this is an elite track. Like a reminder pre this year, his career arc was guys like Peyton Manning, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. He was that good in terms of lock and load, top six, top eight, top 10 every year, mid-20s. And one thing that, you know, there's a lot of football guy staff dialogue about this, and I don't understand this dialogue that maybe they project onto fan bases of like, oh, you know, there wouldn't be support. You know, they wouldn't, you know, support their team and franchise making a move for Deshaun Watson. Do you know how rare it is? Matthew Stafford was a rare case, a team rebuilding, a team that we want picks, older quarterback, we want to move on. And, but, but Watson is in his mid 20s. Like, you do not get looks at a quarterback with this pedigree, this production, this profile. Yeah, there better be baggage, there better be risk, because otherwise they wouldn't be available at all. They right. just aren't. Right. You, have to, you have to take your shot in the draft. Hopefully, you get uh, Justin Herbert lucky. Or you got to get you know a Kirk Cousin that just Washington bobbled that situation for years. He becomes just a true free agent, right? I mean, you might get Aaron Rodgers getting to true free agency. Tom Brady got to true free agency, but you know what? They're going to pick their spot. Are they going to pick you? <laughs> it's like an NBA player. Are they going to pick you? So I don't get that standpoint. You should want to mortgage everything to get a shot out of Deshaun Watson because that's the biggest way to change your team's trajectory for a decade. It's not picks. It's not drafting quarterback over and over again. Why don't you just get something bankable? So I just wanted to address that. But on the fantasy lens and Superflex, I mean, it, I, I view it, if he plays this year, A, it's a wild card, like you said, the transition factor, what team, all that kind of stuff. I mean, he hasn't had live reps. So you can say, you know, he's in great shape, all this. You need the timing, you need the rhythm, you said all that. And it's a new situation, new playbook, all that. There was talk Matt Ryan took a year or two for a new system to feel fully comfortable. So when you change that, it's a big deal for anybody. But Watson, he has the rushing. He obviously has the passing. He's been doing it in Houston. He did it without <laughs> DeAndre uh, Hopkins. I mean, he's done it in every which way. And so you would think situation is going to improve, whether that's Philly or Carolina or Miami or whatever. These are all, in my opinion, 
in aggregate, better situations. They all have weapons. All those situations have weapons. 2022, they would look good. I'm with you. Is it a short suspension? No suspension. I don't think he's going to prison. Um, so I would say right, this. Right, yeah. I mean, because we were talking, the, the last pause button we have was August. And it was QB, what, 10 to 15? Sounds about right. And let's be fair. If he had no issues going on, where would he QB5. generally be? I mean, even if you say he'd be behind Mahomes, Prescott, Josh Allen, I think right there is where the conversation starts. Four to six, seven, eight at the lowest is where you'd have them. And Superflex is all about like hitting. Like I made a huge trade to get, I think it was Dak Prescott. And it's like, that's a monster move in Superflex to get one of these guys to lock and load. It's a big deal. And I remember trading, like Jordan and I didn't even have much of a conversation point. We traded the pick that became in two quarterback, Justin Fields. This is pre season. This is back in the summer. We had no qualms about it. And the longer this goes, the less likely it is that there's a lot coming from these cases. The longer it goes, I think the better the news it is. Because it means they don't have a lot. It means they don't have enough, legally speaking, for things that affect us to matter, which is what we care about, right? Oh, he's going to be suspended all 2022. You know, like that's what some people fear. So I think that it is just a, like you said, what is buying low? Well, I think it is, especially in Superflex, if you're contending, you obviously don't want to cripple yourself right now. Obviously, if you've got two quality starters, dealing one of them for Watson is a big deal. But what I will say is the calculus here is, I mean, can you give, and I, I like these players, but can you give Trevor Lawrence, who is, let's face it, not great right now. You're reducing the risk to go to, to, to Watson, for example, or like Trey Lance plus, Justin Fields plus. Like I think those are, those are optimal deals because you have incomplete early profiles. Whether you like them or not, they're Schrodinger's cat on what they're going right, to become. Right. And so those are ideal. And you're going to have to pay, like, you're going to have to add a lot to, like, in my opinion, maybe you don't, but like Tannehill or Matt Ryan or Cousins or those types of veterans. And so I would try not to do that because I don't think you're going to get the bang in the buck for, for the marketplace. Um, just I'll, I'll pass it back to you as we keep going on Watson here, though. Yeah, uh, Tim just posted in the UTH Twitter, uh, uh, our text, texting, thank you, our texting group. It's a tweet from Barry Jackson that says, Houston Chronicle reports the Dolphins and the Texans have agreed on a trade terms for Watson, but the Dolphins want his legal issues resolved before consummating. Good luck with that. And then it says, Chronicle suggests that Ross wants clarity from Goodell on the length of potential suspension. Again, good luck with that. So what that, I don't know exactly what that means, but. Sounds like like they, it sounds like they are heavily interested, but they also want all these like stipulations. A little bit of insurance. But why don't they put, but why don't they just put that in there? Like if they have, let's just say one of the things in the trade is like a second round pick. Why don't they just say, if he ends up having a suspension more than four games, then you say, oh, well, the second becomes a third. Conditional. Or a fourth or what? Yeah. Right. Or the second goes away if it's more than an eight game suspension. You know, you can have language. It's like a dynasty trade. You can have you can have things in there. Um, to look over a few Watson trades. So let's weigh, weigh in on these. I'll just rapid fire a few of them here. So you have 
Watson for Tua. I think we can go past that, right? That's a yeah. sl- slam dunk. Um, I would take Watson 100. Watson for David Montgomery. Watson 100%. Slam dunk. Um, yeah. what do you, what, what's your feeling on giving like two future firsts for Watson? If that's the general construct. If they're both 22s, I would do in a heartbeat. Okay. If they're both 23s, I would have pause. Although um, I, I would probably, if it was a 122 and 123, I would do that. Especially if you're looking like, hey, I'm good at quarterback. I'm contending this year. You add Watson, who's probably going to give you a decent chunk of next year at a minimum. I mean, that projects right. on the later side. And the same thing we're talking about. What are the chances if you have 107, 110, you're getting a quarterback remotely close to Watson in, in right. outcome right. And, and potential and all of that? Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's a first plus which I think, especially 22, we're talking about that. It's, as a relati- it's still relatively cheap. Oh, oh, I absolutely agree. And, and we're not big sell your future first, like just willy-nilly. No. When you get picks like this, when you get options like this, uh, yeah, uh, I'm seeing a, a lot of couple firsts or something in the one first plus range. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I mean, that's a slam dunk. You absorb the now on that 10 times over, right? I mean, Hurts is really productive but the job security is not there. He could right. be great this year. That still doesn't mean they don't lose a ton of games and they're going to get his replacement next off season. Look at look, his QBR. Don't look, look at his fantasy points. Look, look at his, his passing. QBR. Look at his passing. Don't look at his yeah. rushing. Cause you know what? Right. He's a running. He he's seeing like 30, 40 plus percent of the rushing market share for that team. That's insane. He's a running back trying to win games. What they should do is get a quarterback and have Jalen Hurts be yep. replacement for Miles Sanders. Yeah, uh, Mike. Will- <laughs> yeah, Mike Williams. Uh, what do you think about DeAndre Swift for Watson and a twenty-three first? Watson and a twenty-three first for DeAndre Swift in a yes. superflex. Yes, I would take Watson in the twenty-three first. I have to ask you. You know I love. I have you to because you're a Swifty DeAndre girl. Swift. I know. I have to ask you that. Uh, here's actually Tannehill close to straight up. So we were discussing that um, in there. Uh, so anyway, so those are a lot of ideas. Um, I think we right. can, so I think we can close the book. Generally, a buy. Generally, he's hanging out in the QB ten plus range, and we both would say the conversation starts at about QB four, five, six, somewhere in that range. You know, as long as you are not thinking he's going to jail, like that's pretty much where he would be if the, none of this stuff had happened and he got traded probably back in March. That's probably where he would be, somewhere in that range on a consensus level. All right. Uh, I am up here. First yeah. name I'm going to mention, Mr. Derek Carr. Uh, he's QB 14 this year in points per game. And I'll just tell you, the Raiders offense, when you separate the fantasy part, and I know people have quibbles. They want more upside for Josh Jacobs. They might want you know Waller to be healthy and playing better. The wide receivers, you know, they might want more market share for somebody. I get all that. But watching this offense and watching Derek Carr run it is beautiful. Go back and watch this pass game. He was like 31 or 34. It reminded me, honestly, of the, this old, I can't remember what year this was, uh, early 2000s, that Rich Gannon offense with Jerry Rice, who was older, Tim Brown. Rich Gannon was like, an, like he had these games where he completed like 80 plus 90% passes. It was surgical how good it was in the short and intermediate area. Derek Carr is doing that. He is performing NFL-wise at such a high level. Now, you separate the fantasy part, and this is what makes it difficult for me. I love Derek Carr, the player. Now, Derek Carr, the fantasy player, has not really hit a big-time ceiling. He's not a big runner. 
Do I think he's a diabolical passer? Yes, but maybe not diabolical passer in the fantasy production Tom Brady sort of sense, like 50 touchdowns and things like that. So that's the divide for me. Love the player, love what they're building with the Raiders. And but there is a divide between, well, if you love the floor and you think that there's like a like this the reasonable ceiling is can he get back to top 10? Sure. Is he gonna get to the top five or six? Probably not. So what does that really mean? That's the biggest question I'm dealing with. So help me out. Give me a little clarity. Give me a little uh, support and ancillary info here on Derek Carr. The nice thing about Derek Carr, he's QB 10 when it comes to his QBR. So he's got job security. He should have job security. He's able to, in a real world situation for an NFL team, move the sticks, pass the ball around get the job done, that's job security. And he's middle-aged, so he's, he's right in that wheelhouse for uh, you know, escalating his game. He's been in the league for eight years. He's only 30 years old, so he should have at least another good 10 years of play. Fantasy-wise, he's had one bad game this year, and that was against the Bears. Otherwise, he's put up over 20 points in every game, which is not necessarily sexy, but it's not bad. He's QB 15 on average points per game on the season. And in Superflex, you want a top 24. Um, you, you Potentially, you want more than one top 12 guy, but that doesn't always happen. But he's that non-sexy guy that quietly can, like, I put in Derek Carr over Carson Wentz this week. Ended up Carson Wentz scored an extra point or two over Derek Carr. But I just trust him more than that Carson Wentz. He's a trustable guy that you can start as your QB2 on any given week. And he's going to be all right. He's going to do all right for you. Now, if you have the chance to have... You know, two top quarterbacks, of course, you'd rather have two top quarterbacks, but most 12-team leagues, even in a 12-team league, trying to get that is tough. And it doesn't always work out for you because at the at sacrifice of what? Running back, wide receiver, tight end? Who knows? Or did you draft them, right? I mean, if you right. if you had one and then you drafted Herbert or you got Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, you had the 101 that year or or situations like that, uh, you know, or if maybe you got Trevor Lawrence and he develops or one of these other rookies that develop into that. Um, yeah, and, and the, the tough part for me is because ceiling is important. Uh, the UTH rankings are super flex. I have Carr at 12 and I feel that's about the highest you could be on him, yeah. period. Yeah. Because I view him as... He's, he's basically Kirk Cousins in a career arc fashion, which is, you know, some moments of, of top 10, top 12, but he's probably going to be, like you said, the functionality is more QB 10, QB 15, somewhere in that zone. But you like the long-term security. If the Raiders moved on from him, I think that would be a big mistake franchise-wise. And, you know, there's been talk of that. He's way, to me, he's way too good for that. Way too good for that. He's three years younger than Cousins, but you know what? They're all, they're early 30s. I think they're really similar. So I have them back-to-back in the rankings. Now, the part that's difficult for me is you say ceiling. If you say, what's going to actually move the needle? Currently, 
Now, this might be blasphemous, so call me out, Katie, if this is nuts, but I view them as pretty similar because it's very incomplete at this point. I have them in the same bucket as Trevor Lawrence. You could say Trevor Lawrence ends up being way better in a ceiling scenario in the next 24 months, and that that whiplashes entirely. But Lawrence is do we trust the franchise? Is he going to change the franchise? Coaching change coming, another system change in year two. There could be a longer term trajectory here before Lawrence turns out to be good. Another one would be Tom Brady. So I have high confidence this year. He's already on track for that. And next year, but you know what? Tampa, what are they going to do? They brought everybody back. They can't do that next year. They're going to have to pay the piper. They're going to get, I'm not going to say gutted, but they're going to lose guys. I'm not going to say they're, you know, that Godwin's gone. I'll, I'll say that. But is Antonio Brown gone? Grunt gone. Uh, defense, much different. Uh, so things are going to change. But I think Brady, the rest of this year and next year, outscores by a decent amount Derek Carr. But what's that worth? 44 years old. You could say he's uh, a complete outlier scenario. That's great. But how many years of Brady is worth? giving up that many years to car. You see, so like these calculuses are very difficult for me in the actual cruel world of you have to actually list someone ahead of somebody else for dynasty terms. So, so those are some of the names I've, I've spitballed around. Like, I think he's similar to Matt Ryan. He's younger than Matt Ryan. That's pretty easy to me. He's a little younger than Tannehill. I like his profile a little better than Tannehill. So those are some of the names I think in that bucket. Is there anything in there that you would push back on or more of like, hey, I think you're on the right track in some of this thinking? No, I, I think you're on the right track. Um, Tom Brady's QB1 right now on points per game ahead of Josh Allen. And of course, Josh Allen had his bye week this, this last week. But still, if you go by average points per game, but that set of weapons changes and, you know, Tom Brady is special. I, I understand that, but he is an outlier. So is he, QB really eight, is he QB eight next year? You know, right. The, yeah. Well, a, exactly. I mean, this is a very special year for Tom Brady, a non-rushing quarterback, but I would liken him more. Derek Carr is more in that Kirk Cousins range. Kirk Cousins is QB 10 right now on average, but yet, He's a little bit older and Carr, they both have fairly good security. Those are the guys that I think are undervalued and you can get them for a steal. You can now, yes, Trevor Lawrence is hard to value because he's young. He is right now on average QB 27. That's not going to last. I don't see that lasting. I think that Trevor Lawrence, if you look at it from a dynasty perspective, with the changes that we know are going to happen, you've got to take that into effect. And, and yeah, you've got to project Trevor Lawrence, not necessarily as a higher value than Derek Carr, but the higher ceiling, the higher upside, and the longer term, which makes it tough. But would I rather have Derek Carr over Daniel Jones, who's younger? 100%. Would I rather have Derek Carr over Sam Darnold, who's younger? 100%. There's Baker Mayfield. I'd rather have Derek Carr than Baker Mayfield. What do you think about Carr versus the non-Lawrence rookie quarterbacks? Are those no-brainer uh, discussions or are those actual discussion points because of the mobility most of them have? And Mac Jones, again, you can't put, uh, in my opinion, you can't put Mac Jones over him because he's, he's uh, you know, you kind of hope he becomes Derek Carr. Let's be fair. You kind of hope he turns into Derek Carr over the next few years. 
Right. So the thing with Derek Carr, if I were able to get Derek Carr for Trey Lance Plus, or if I were able to get, uh, I mean, again, I think that if you're pivoting to try to get Derek Carr over the rookies, you should be able to get a plus on every single one of them. I think so too. Well, yeah. Except maybe Trevor Lawrence. Fields and Lance for sure, I would think would provide plus opportunities. Right. Yeah. And I think I think even Mac Jones, you could get Derek Carr for Mac Jones plus. Yeah, I'm seeing like close to straight up for Zach Wilson or even Carr plus for Zach Wilson, which That's crazy. It's a no brainer. Uh, no, I mean, I, right. I would take Derek yeah. Carr over Zach Wilson. I like Zach Wilson. I think he does. Yeah, have, you do. He's yeah. going to go through grand, growing pains, though. Goff, he's, Derek Goff, Carr already yeah. has. Goff and a little plus for Derek Carr. That I would take is, Goff plus a big plus. Yeah. I don't think it's a little plus. Jared Goff has no yeah. upside in the fantasy community. Most people scoff at Goff. What do you think about Garoppolo and Noah Fant in 1.5 premium for Carr? Oh, I would take the Garoppolo and Fant side. Really? Yeah. And star one tight end. Okay. I think I would take the other side of that. It's but close. I do like. Yeah, I, I, I do mean, think Garoppolo is a buy too. Just to be fair. Just well, to be right. But I think that Garoppolo is underrated because of Trey, uh, Trey Lance. But he'll be but I also really even in a even in a one tight end league when you have a one and a half premium. A guy like Fant can be a game changer, yep. and that's why I would do that. Especially if Denver gets a quarterback upgrade, which they're going to be an ideal situation. Well, maybe not the division they're in. You know, maybe maybe one of these quarterbacks, if it's Aaron Rodgers or or someone else, maybe that is is part of the equation they're looking at is getting you know getting out of my division, getting you know to a chance to go to the Super Bowl. But Denver's locked. You know, they're pretty ready to go, especially with those supporting. Uh, surrounding weapons, Fant would be one of those giant uptick plays. Yeah, I'm in general. I'm seeing send out offers for Carr is what I'm is what I'm generally seeing here as well. Right, because right. it sounds like he's viewed closer to QB twenty than QB ten is is generally what I'm seeing. And if he's especially if he's on a non contender, you know, some team falling out of it in superflex, explore it, explore the space because you might be able to get him. You might be able to get a plus on Derek Carr for a twenty two first. And that's not hyperbole. I think that's possible there. All right. Uh, yeah. So that, that's very helpful. Who is your uh, second and then final one we're going to be covering tonight? Let me look. <laughs> I have to refresh my memory. Teaser, it's Matt uh, Ryan. I said uh, <laughs> Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. And uh, I, I say Matt Ryan is hard to value because of his age, because people think that they were so close to getting a quarterback this year, but they chose to go with Kyle Pitts instead. Uh, I mean, there's so many, they don't have a ton of weapons in Atlanta. Atlanta stinks. I feel like they're he, treating them like Philip Rivers a couple of years ago. Does that sound, it sounds eerily yeah. similar to how the dynasty community is like, eh, not really interested. Exactly. And Matt Ryan still has a lot of juice and uh, fantasy wise, he's producing, he's producing quite well. And, uh, Super flex leagues, even in start one, but uh, right now he is like that 15, 16 range. Yeah, 15, 16 range, which 20, 21 points a game. There's like five or six quarterbacks that are all in that same range. And yet he's so friggin', you know, uh, underrated. 
I'm trying to think. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Can I just share a couple of trades with you that are gonna blow your doors yeah, off? Sure. Sam Darnold for Matt Ryan plus. Oh shit! Insanity. All right. That is right. insane. No, no. Here, here's one more that'll blow your doors off. And this is what I mean by some people get pick crazy because they think I need picks and that's the way to re-sculpt my team. Imagine being a rebuilder and you do this deal. You give Matt Ryan in Superflex and Amari Cooper because you know you got to rebuild for AJ Dillon and a 22 first. That's sick. Imagine, I don't care what pick that is. What are you doing? That's what are you doing? Crazy. Exactly. That is crazy. Sterling Shepard and a first naked for, for Matt Ryan. Uh, Jordan McNamara and I in a two quarterback league paid a first basically for Matt Ryan and a bunch of other stuff. And we're like, right. Matt Ryan, if he plays more than a couple of years, we win this by such a graphic margin. It's not even funny. Like yep. people are under, like the, you, pocket passers are protected in the NFL. What I worry about are the guys like Lamar Jackson running around, not sliding. You are protected in a lot of ways as a franchise quarterback. You are not protected running about around like a running back. They are going to light you. So those are the guys I'm worried about. The good protected sliders like Russell Wilson, uh, the guys that are smart about it, and the pocket guys that get it out. I, I'm a fan of all those guys. And I think Matt Ryan... Uh, quick check. I think he's 37. Does that? Yeah. No, 36 and a half right now. And so again, I, can he play till 40? He has not had the arm erosion like Philip Rivers. Now, does, does he start having it in a couple of years? Maybe. But Atlanta's not, in my opinion, Atlanta's not going to be high enough to get some, oh, obvious. They had their crack this past year. They said no. They got Kyle Pitts. And now it's Pitts. It's, uh, I mean, who knows what they do with Cordero Patterson, but Calvin Ridley's been a little bit of a disappointment this year. That actually might be an understatement, but there's weapons around him. And then building around Matt Ryan over the next three years is going to be way beneficial to saying, we've got a Jared Goff or uh, Matt Stafford, this guy out and refresh the whole thing. They're going to be worse off if they do that. Is someone going to pay a first for Matt Ryan? I don't know. In NFL terms. So dangerous, dangerous stuff. I feel for the franchise. And I feel, I already mentioned Matt Ryan a little bit, but I think, you know, the overt buy, he's probably a better buy, honestly, than Derek Carr. It just in terms of the price you would probably pay. Cause I think a lot of people have him QB 20 or beyond. And I think that is a big mistake, a big mistake to me. He's around 16, 17, 18, 19. Is he's right I in there. Him. He's yeah. He's right in there with Derek Carr and Jameis Winston I would say whichever one of those guys is the cheapest I'd go after. But these older quarterbacks, I think the theme, we're three players in. The theme is look at those teams falling out of it and say, what would they be interested? Young, unproven, and picks. And come up with combos. I mean, we just mentioned, well, you got Cooper and Matt Ryan for Dylan and a first. So again, offer them the sparkle. Offer them right. the sparkle of what age they are and picks. And this is where it makes sense. Again, Superflex, guys like Cousins, Carr, and Matt Ryan, they're not sexy, but they have a lot of functionality for you. And it's not a one-year play. We always say, make a dynasty trade. That's how you make a dynasty trade. All right, I got one more here. Mac Jones. And I say it from this standpoint. And I, Carr and Mac Jones have a little bit of similarity to me in this sense. They're never going to be top 10 or 15 at their position rushing. Never. 
I no, think Mac Jones is an underrated athlete, but they have to get it done strictly from the pocket. I'll say, I really like watching Mac Jones play. He's a rookie. And I know he's QB 25, 27, 30, whatever it is fantasy-wise. He's not running. I get all that. He's not throwing for three touchdown passes every other week. I get all that. But I think he's going to make it. Now, what does make it mean? Make it means he gets to the end of his rookie contract and we still view him as an NFL starter. Do the Patriots get back up the Briggs truck five years from now, four, three years, four years from now? And what are quarterback salaries going to be then? I don't know. 50 million? I don't know. But so will they pay that price? Not sure. Will he get like the Garoppolo sort of treatment of, yeah, we'll give you kind of 60% on the dollar, 65%. I don't know. But I'm pretty confident that with this infrastructure, you have a franchise that can commit, a franchise that things are getting better. Cam Newton got screwed. He had no weapons. There's actually some things going on there. Their defense, always viable. So I think there's a lot of good things in place here. But fantasy-wise, is he ever going to be top eight, top 10? Mac Jones is tough for me because I think he's on the success track in terms of use your eyes. But fantasy-wise, does he is he someone that we look in two or three years and his best finish is like QB 14? And we say, what does this really mean? And you could say 14, you squint and you're like, eh, it's three or four points per game from QB eight or seven or something. Sure, you could say that. But I think with Mac Jones, he would be to me an ideal guy. And, and frankly, you drafted him late first, early second this past year. So he probably is already in this spot. But if he's your QB three in a super flex, I think you feel pretty darn good. If he's higher, he's probably not moving the needle for you at all. And he may not next year at all. Uh, those are a few points for me, but why he's tough to rank almost in the Derek Carr kind of way, but he's young. So he still has some grit of, we don't have as much data points built up yet. We don't have the data points built up, but here's where my optimism for Mac Jones comes into play. He is the only one of all the rookie quarterbacks that I've seen that is able to call out his protections. That's able to set up and, and tell his offense and change the play at the line of scrimmage. He's already doing all that. He recognizes the pocket. He recognizes the hot routes. He recognizes he's got to get the ball he's out quick. And he's, got, out, yeah. and he's got a very quick release. He's not taking the sacks. He's not throwing the interceptions. He's had some tip balls. He's had some interceptions. But if you look at them, if you just look at the stat sheet, you're not seeing the whole picture. The dude is creating and making things work. They've been in more games than they haven't been. Underrated team, yeah. Very underrated team. So as a rookie, he's already doing all of the translation that you want on the field. And when they add more to his playbook and he starts throwing the deep ball and more and getting more weapons built around him, I really do firmly believe I wasn't a Mac Jones believer a year ago, but I am sold on Mac Jones. Now I am everything I've seen of him. We traded up for him. I remember our we league did. and a big part of the trade was moving up a little bit in the depleted Debbie landscape of saying Mac Jones. And there was a big drop in especially rookies uh, beyond him. Yeah. And, and I, I just think I'm interested to see how this goes because I think the floor is pretty darn high of 
not like you said. I mean, let's be fair. Jacoby Myers is an okay player, but in a, on a lot of teams, what would he be? Wide receiver three, and he's their wide receiver one. Nikhil Harry has not worked out, and they've got Kendrick Bourne, which. Again, they had money to play with. I understand. But he's not moving the needle. I know he had that long touchdown, but outlier scenario. And so they're, they, they, they address tight end. Is this next offseason, they actually address Allen Robinson, dare I say, don't even, don't tease me. But don't tease do they, me. Do they actually get a wide receiver one? No offense There's to anybody Godwin. there. So, yeah, any, so there are options that would probably change the calculus here. And yeah. So the part for me is, so just to, he, for me, he's in that QB 20 ish range. I think there's plenty of guys that are like Matt Ryan and Tannehill and cousins and Carr and all these guys. I think it's prudent to have them over Mac Jones because now could that change over the next few years? Yes. But they, they're not on like a one to two year scenario, which is the major difference on why Mac Jones isn't ahead. I have them ahead of now. So, so you can, you can rip me if this is wrong. I currently have him ahead of Baker Mayfield because I don't think Baker Mayfield has the ceiling people think either. And now he's getting to the end of he's, he could be on the, out in the woods. If the Browns don't pay him a full amount, and this is a run centric team, they're going to protect him. I actually think the ceiling is a little higher with Mac Jones long term. Um, I have him ahead of Justin Fields. I think the bust risk with Justin, Justin Fields, if he hits, I know he could be a high quarterback one. Perfect terms. I just don't see it. I don't see it, Elaine. I don't see it. He may work out. I just think the odds are not super high there. So some people may think that the nuts. I have over Jalen Hurts. I know Mac Jones this year or any year Jalen Hurts starts, he's going to outproduce Mac Jones. I just don't know how many years that's going to be. Any beyond this year. Is he just going to move to a backup, a high end rushing centric backup? All possible. I'm ahead of Jameis Winston. I think there's a lot of variables with Winston. I actually think Winston's done a great job this year. Considering what he has, considering what we remember, 30 interception Winston, I think he's done a good job. But I have him over. I have Mac Jones over Winston. Daniel Jones, same thing. I don't... How long is this job security? Does he even have job security? So do you quibble or overtly disagree with any of those? I don't disagree with any of that, but from the... From the dynasty owner's perspective, most dynasty owners don't have that. So the beautiful thing about this is if you own Jalen Hurts, you could trade him for Mac Jones plus plus because Jalen Hurts is QB5 in fantasy right now. And people don't look two, three years down the road. They think Jalen Hurts is bulletproof. He's got the rushing upside. Why wouldn't he they be don't the starter think he's next gonna year? Lose his job. They don't think he's going to lose his job. They, they scoff at that. And Build they, around they're Hertz. like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like when, when you're a financial advisor and you can see the bull or bear market, I don't even know the financial terms, but you can see it coming and you start to sell your stock in order to get out because you know that it's going to cave in underneath you. That's the Jalen Hurts owners right now. They're thinking, no, man, I'm going to buy more, buy more because he's fantastic. He is fantastic as a fantasy asset right now. But does he have job security? That's doubtful. He stinks as a passer. People say, well, he can improve. 
Well, if he can improve, why hasn't he? Right. Like his whole high school career, his college career, the numbers don't lie. They'll probably pull out Josh Allen. He's like, well, look at Josh is- Allen improved. Outlier yeah, well, scenario. Yeah, outlier scenario. J- uh, Jalen Hurts' footwork is about the worst of any starting quarterback in the NFL right now as far as three-step drop, five-step drop, seven-step drop. Two seconds, he yeah. looks to run. It's it, well, great for your fantasy too. team. Exactly. It's great for your fantasy team. And a lot of his points are fourth quarter, you know, garbage time points. Every game you lose hurts his job security because they're going to have a lot of, you really think they're passing with that many top picks. They're passing either a on trading for a guy that they really believe in, or you really think they're going to spend all those picks quote unquote building around Jalen hurts. Okay. Okay. So, so anyway, the nice thing about all those guys that you named, you can get, Mac Jones plus for all those guys you named. Let me ask you this. Do you think Mac Jones, let's assume he cost a super late first, 111, 112. Sometimes it drifted to 202 and stuff or like that. Do you think in a vacuum, he's about the same cost, more expensive or less expensive now that we're half a season in? I think he's probably about the same cost as what you bought him for. If you got him for 110, 111, you can buy him for a late but hasn't he eliminated some of the, oh my God, like some of these quarterbacks come in and instantly you have, I don't know if they can play. They can't even hang. He's eliminated that risk already. He has. However, most folks don't think the same way you and I think. And they look at Mac Jones as the missionary position of quarterbacks, even (laughs) though that's not totally true. It's not totally true. He has upside. He is an athlete. Yeah. He can run. He ran he for like to. 12 yards in a first down out of the pocket. He just chooses not to do it, which is smart. Right. So there are times when he will take advantage and can. Again, when they open up the playbook and he's he's just put together uh, so much on paper as a rookie that it's unbelievable. People are overlooking it. And if you can buy a low on that, I'm saying it's time to buy low on that. Yeah, because I saw some. I wouldn't. 20- I wouldn't. I wouldn't spend a first round startup pick on him. I'm no, not but- trying to advise that. I'm saying you can get him at a huge discount. Well, what's interesting is I saw some 22 first for Mac Jones, and it almost aligns with what we talked about, which is if that's a later first, you're a strong that's a team. That's a Be- push. No, because but what I'm saying is you actually have data points now. You were flying right. blind on like, well, what if Cam Newton's the starter? What if, you know, like he fell in the draft? What if he can't play? And now you have, oh, this is actually working. This is actually showing some good signs here. And and that's, I mean, wouldn't you feel better about the data points that have been put up by Mac Jones so far, functionally as a quarterback in the NFL, than uh, again, a lot of these other <laughs> outside of Trevor Lawrence, there's been moments. But re- like you have to squint and ignore a lot to say, I'm focusing on the positives because there's been plenty of negatives around this rookie class. Long time to go. Rookie quarterbacks aren't supposed to produce a lot. They just aren't. So that's why it's tough to project year two and year three on who's going to take these massive leaps. It's just really difficult. But I think, I mean, do we see a lot changing? Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick things improving for the Patriots weapon-wise around Mac Jones. So anyway, I, I do think it's an interesting, you know, where to put that though, if he ends up leveling off. But you know what? We have years to think about that because I think we're going to get to next May and say, 
look at the su- supporting cast and things are better around Mac Jones than right now. So I think that's a positive. All right. Uh, final thoughts, Katie. Uh, what We only talked quarterbacks. Love the format. I love what we did there. But in terms of dynasty teams, other positions, anything and everything, what are your final thoughts? So my final thoughts revolve around Debbie, uh, the Debbie quarterbacks and the high risk that's involved. We mention it. We talk about it. And people think, well, it won't happen to this quarterback. He's bulletproof. DJ Uyunglele from Clemson and Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma are two great examples why you don't draft Debbie quarterbacks early over running backs, which are much easier to hit. Now, yes, you need quarterbacks in super flex. I understand that. But it's so much easier to build your quarterbacks in the startup and trade for quarterbacks and try to hit on quarterbacks late. You and I got Spencer Radler late in one of our drafts, and we've hung on to him, and that's fine. We also got Matt Corral late in a couple of our drafts. As a, you know, there's a very talented guy a few years ago, but yet he had he was a head case. He's developed into a very good quarterback and could be the QB one of the 2022 class. You just don't know. I saw somebody earlier today trying to pedal Spencer Rattler for a third round rookie pick in a start one quarterback league. Why would you draft a Debbie quarterback in a start one league? It doesn't make any sense. So overall, the quarterback position is tough. On average, only two quarterbacks from each class on average over the last 20 years have gone on to be a long-term starter. And out of the top 15 quarterbacks, nine are three-star quarterbacks. And I'm talking dynasty quarterbacks. The top 15 dynasty quarterbacks, nine of them are three-star prospects. Wow. And only three are four-star and three are five-star. So to say that there's any one facet that you can look at in college and well, say, all, all this guy's going to be a towards stud. Five star. They all gravitate towards five stars. Exactly. Draft so guys like, right. So DJ Uyangalele, five star, maybe a bust. We don't know yet. It's, I think it's still too early to know. He's, he's looked horrible this year. Last year, he was crowned God. Spencer Rattler, I still have faith in him. But he's struggling right now. He's not even the starter for his college team. Transfer portal is open. Troy Aikman had to transfer and sit out a whole year before going to UCLA. Patrick Mahomes had horrible college stats and then got drafted. Josh Allen, horrible college stats. Lamar Jackson, horrible college stats. Three-star athlete. He's top right now. So you cannot, when it comes to Debbie, the risk is high for quarterbacks and you've got to keep a level head. It's a long-term play. If you did draft Uyunglele or Spencer Rattler, hold them. Draft the Please player. Please hold them. Draft the player. Please. Right. Don't bail. Yeah. Draft the profile and don't bail. Draft because the profile. You believe because you know what? Because you know what? Dak Prescott wasn't even a top three round. Pick. He was a three star. He and, was a three star. And again, so who was talking about him? And then he even Nobody. went to the Cowboys, and he was a backup. Right. I mean, no right. one knew. Russell Wilson, too short. Goes later, you know, later than you Another typically see anybody be super successful. So I just they quarterback is one of them that you know what when they get to the NFL and they start to be able to play, you know, you'll know, you'll know. Right. Some of these guys might not even again, like you said, 
they're, they're, the way they get to the NFL is a bumpy and weird road. Not all of them are 101s and top half of round one or even round one. And you typically see in the draft, what happens? The quarterbacks go early or they just fade way late is typically what happens, right? Oh, there's warts. So they don't even draft them in the second, third round a lot of times. So then they just drift. Doesn't mean they can't play. And so those are the types of guys that, you know what? Maybe they're one of the best backups in the league and they just, they need an opportunity. Maybe they get traded for eventually. Like again, but yeah, like you're saying, you got to be patient because what are you going to trade them for? Nothing. I mean, once they lose their shine, once they're not the it girl, that's it. People stop asking them out. That's what happens. So if you paid more, so be it. That's why we always say draft players you believe in because you're going to need to hold. Running back loses his job, has to transfer, moves down to D2, whatever it is. You better like the player, right? You better not like just the uniform because that uniform can change and that perch on a depth chart can change. Great stuff. Yep. Um, all right, uh, you quick UTH best ball contest update. Uh, Sugarland Candy Canes, that's Joe, uh, ended up taking down the contest with a top finish. Uh, and it was a rough one. We had 262 as the top score. And uh, he had the perfect week. He had Mac Jones. We mentioned Carson Wentz in this episode. Uh, Leonard Fournette, he's been a boon. He got big start out of Mr. Dearness Johnson. What, how great was that to watch Dearness Johnson? After all these years, get an opportunity there. He's got Mike Evans, Mr. Three Touchdown, Mr. Uh, Tom Brady record setter. That was a great story to track too with trying to track down that ball and uh, you know, have to get some compensation going. Zach Ertz, more opportunities for him. Uh, upgrading the offense there, going to Arizona. C.G. Ozama, uh, what a two-tight end uh, format uh, revelation this year. A couple touchdowns for him. It seems like he's getting loose every other week for a long score where everyone's paying attention to Jamar Chase as they should. So congrats to uh, Joe taking down the contest. He's moving up into the top 15 or 20. We have Grant, Jamie, and Cameron up in the top three. Very, very tight through the top 10 or so. And uh, Jordan is our expert resident up high in the rankings. Still a lot of time to go. Still half a season to go. And I uh, want to remind you, contact Katie between episodes at FF underscore Skylar399. I'm at Chad Parsons NFL. Support UTH at UTHdynasty.com UTH or UTH Patreon, which is patreon.com slash UTH. And until next week, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. Mm-hmm.